morning, everyone. I'm Dr. Emma Morton, and I'd like to warmly welcome you um, on behalf of CRESPD to our 13th Talk BD event on managing mental health and the impacts of bipolar disorder, particularly during the additional stress and disruption of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I'm joined today by a guest speaker, Don Cutler, a peer researcher with CRESPD who lives well with bipolar disorder. And we are also joined by Victoria Maxwell, um, who has been with CRESPD since inception and who always offers um, a really lovely, warm and compassionate perspective. Uh, this is a strange and special occasion for our team to be marking. Uh, today's webinar is exactly one year to the day since we first held one of these talk meeting events. Uh, we started this series in March uh, 20 as a way to provide some extra support and practical tips um, for people who were um, feeling uncertain, feeling additional impacts of stress and anxiety um, due to COVID-19 and the associated physical distancing measures. In fact, our first event was, I think, called Tips and Tools for Living in Uncertain Times, uh, which had Victoria, myself, and also um, Professor Erin Mahalik. Um, CRESPD really wanted to provide uh, an online space for people to hear about ways to adapt their existing wellness strategies um, or learn something new in a warm and supportive environment. And we've been continuing that for apparently 13 sessions since then, um, I think covering a lot of really important and valuable topics. Today, we're gonna to be talking about a part of life that has been markedly changed for most people um, during COVID and has always been particularly important for people who live with bipolar disorder. And that is home management and organization. Many people are working from home, um, going to school from home, and with more people using a space, the more mess and clutter tends to build up. Um, on top of that, being stuck at home means that you are face-to-face -face with how your home looks almost 24 seven. Um, today's an exception for me being back at the office for the first time in over a year um to deal to get a stable internet connection um but certainly i've been i've been feeling that impact of um having to see the clutter and the dishes and the my own chaotic lifestyle habits <laughs> face to face um, we're trying to make our spaces full double duty as home offices schools cafes rec spaces um, so the impact of of anything being out of place or um, not in the way that you feel comfortable is even more keenly felt. Um, and there is some research to kind of confirm how what we might intuitively feel and know about a cluttered space, um, that it can impact how we think and feel. Um, there is one neuroscience study which found that a person's visual cortex can be overwhelmed by objects not related to a particular task, um, making it harder to focus and complete projects efficiently. Um, and clutter can also manage our ability to manage stress. Um, the study found that college students who were asked to complete a stressful task in a cluttered space um, ate more sugary foods during the task than those who were in a clean space, um, which I definitely can relate to. <laughs> um, a survey has even found that people report sleeping better on clean sheets. So how your home environment looks can really impact your mental and physical health in, in a range of ways. Um, for people with bipolar disorder, changes to how your home looks can impact your mental health in the ways I've just described, and it can also be a, a warning sign for potentially risky changes in mood. Um, this is a topic that unfortunately hasn't received that much research attention, 
Um, so it's really valuable and insightful for us to get the advice of people with lived experience who have felt the impacts of their mood on how their home um, environment is kept and who have come up with innovative, innovative ways to manage that. Um, it's also really great for viewers to share their own tips and tricks, tips and tricks in the chat. Um, if you have any questions, please pop them into the Zoom Q&A box. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, you can comment on the stream or you can submit comments by anonymously on the CrestBD Talk BD page and we will get to them after the main presentation. Um, before we begin, we'll just do some quick introductions and then I'll hand the mic over to Don Victoria to talk more about ways to have a satisfying home environment. Um, so myself first, I'm a postdoctoral researcher from the University of British Columbia, looking at digital health tools and quality of life um, with bipolar disorder. I've been with the Crest BD team since I was doing my PhD in 2015, uh, and I came over to join the team physically in 2019. I came over with only a few suitcases worth of stuff, so you'd think that my home environment would be pretty manageable. Um, but with the amount of quarantine hobbies I've started, I've ended up with a lot of dice for my Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> collection. I've got a real kind of dragon horde of those accumulating. Um, I've got yarn from the crochet projects and um, all the kind of cute 70s roller skating gear that I'm trying to um, get into uh, building up. Um, so I'll now pass the mic over to Don to introduce himself. Um, we'd love to hear about where you work, your involvement with CrestBD, and um, one thing you do to relax in your downtime. Thanks, Emma. Um, just hello to everybody. Um, first, I'd just like to acknowledge that uh, I'm speaking from the traditional territory of the Kalgoorlie people, which uh, I guess in layman's terms is I'm in Fort Hardy, BC, which is the very northern tip of Vancouver Island. And uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder as a teenager and have been uh, living with it. And, uh, you know, I'm, in a, I'm on a journey. So um, what I currently do for work, I've been, uh, the last little while, I've been working with the provincial government as part of the BC Poverty Reduction Initiative. And I'm also the executive director for Mental Health Recovery Partners North Island. So we do a lot of work around uh, supporting people with mental illness and families uh, whose loved ones have suffered from mental illness. And um, prior to that, I was working for the Health Authority on Vancouver Island and doing frontline work. So I work both on an ACT team and an ICM team. So I have a lot of experience interacting and working with people with mental illness and addictions. Um, and I've taken a lot of my life experiences and adapted that and sort of given that to my work. Um, and in terms of my downtime, my downtime is really, if you look in my household, you'll see thousands of vinyl records. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, yeah, I know Aaron and I have had discussions about this, uh, but uh, yeah, my downtime is really about music and vinyl. Um, and it's something that just adds to the clutter of my own household, so. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Victoria? 
Oh, thanks, Emma. Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm Victoria. I'm a mental health speaker and a performer, and I've been with Crest for, as Emma said, since its inception. And um, I live with bipolar disorder, anxiety, and psychosis. Uh, and yeah, some of the stuff that I do in my downtime that also uh, it's keeping, I've kept it at bay. Uh, I've started uh, sewing a bit. And so I have a sewing machine. And so luckily I have enough room in my laundry room uh, and my husband built a shelf and I don't have a lot of projects on the go or if they are, they're small like bookmarks <laughs> and oven mitt covers. So it's not like I have to have like tables of fabric and stuff. So that's that's a good thing. Um, but what I, it, it just struck me when you were talking about the research about focus and clutter and stuff. I have a, a big box of clutter in one part of my office that, I should at least put somewhere else because I keep seeing it and the guilt of like going, oh man. And of course the reaction now is I just want to throw all of it out, but I realize I'll be throwing out things that I actually need. So I'm actually really looking forward to what Don has to say in the discussion and the questions and tips that we might share. So thanks. Thanks, Victoria. Um, yeah, I think I, we're all, um, I'm keen to learn some tips as well today. I always get something out of it. I'm particularly expecting to get something out of today. Um, I should also mention that we have the uh, silent supporters behind the scenes, Caden and Laura, who are helping monitor the chat and make sure the tech runs smoothly. Um, so we'll take about 20 minutes to um, talk about, have Don Victoria talk about some strategies to um, keep a safe and comfortable home environment. Um, and then we'll start taking some audience questions. So looking forward to it. Thanks guys. Can I start, Victoria? Yeah. Or? Oh, no, no, you, you start with your presentation and I'll okay, just jump sure. right in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess I just want to start with, you know, we're talking about a little bit what Emma had touched on, so why this is an, an important topic. And uh, for me, personally, it um, it's more about how it impacts my overall mental health. I know, you know, you know, when I'm depressed, the clutter seems to be more problematic and it seems to be more difficult to sort of tackle, I guess, on a personal level. It just seems to stay and stay and stay. And um, it gets to a point where it's just becomes overwhelming and uh, self-defeating almost in terms of just uh, making that depressive episode just even more difficult to get out of. And um, in terms of just, um, you know, the strategies around that, um, you know, for me, it's, it's really just about my recovery plan and just sticking to that, I've developed the recovery plan. And over the years, what I've found has been really helpful in terms of just sort of, you know, tackling those pieces is just, um, you know, keeping connections with people. I think is just, it's really important to have that people connection. And I know often when I'm in a, a depression in that episode, I tend to self-isolate a lot. And, you know, it's been that much more difficult during COVID too, because our connection with people's really been lost in a way um, due to that self-isolating and having that small circle of people. And, you know, it's, it's 
to me, it's really important to have that connection to people and ask, being able to have the ability within that plan I have is to ask for help. And, you know, asking for that help, I mean, it's always that shame piece uh, when you have that person come over, but you realize you do need the help. You finally brought up, you've got to that point where you've asked, you've got, and it's just uh, getting, inviting someone into your household um, and seeing what's happened and, um, and just feeling that sense of being so overwhelmed that uh, you don't know where to start. And um, I don't know, Victoria, if you can add anything to that. Or... Yeah, I was, I was gonna just jump on something that you said earlier about um, it being a sort of a warning sign and, and the aftermath too. So that uh, time where if you've invited someone in to help you sort of clean up whatever's happened. And what I uh, know too is that both in depression, when I let things go, so I have, you know, dishes from weeks and laundry that I haven't folded or, I mean, even when I'm well, I have trouble folding laundry, but um, in a more extreme way and, and just building of clutter and garbage. But I also realize in mania, I'll be starting projects. I'll be doing, th- I mean, and depending on how severe the, the, mania is I can be like tearing up paper I can be um, writing poetry have you know uh, things that I think are good ideas on paper everywhere and so it it really becomes a symbol of my illness and um, so bringing people in to see that is a very vulnerable thing Um, and I and I think one of the the good things is if I can start to see the signs really early so and note what they are in particular um so for me uh one of them is not uh having the motivation to change the sheets on my bed that's one of the first things so um when i notice that you know it's time to do that and i just go oh one more night one more night and it keeps going that's usually a sign for depression and then Often I can, you know, do what I need to do to take care of myself with depression. The depression sometimes still comes, but I can manage my uh, my home environment a bit better with like the plan that you were talking about. And then same thing, knowing what those very, very early signs are. And then if I can't actually uh, catch it early enough or it happens so quickly, then really knowing who my social supports are and who are the people that I really trust that can come in without judgment, without blame, hopefully with a sense of humor. Um, and because that really goes a long way uh, and a sense of common humanity too. Because I think even when we're not um, in the states of depression or mania, we all get to be in a place of messiness or chaos or disorganized or whatever. So um, being able to really rely on that. So I, I really echo that that connection is really important because um, sometimes I can get lost in the objects and the tasks and the to-dos. And the more I get disconnected from people, the more I can get absorbed into my home. And often my home isn't my best friend. That's what I would say. I'd love to hear more of the strategies that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just picking up on that piece too, you know, just being in that sort of 
stage of mania too. It's just, I just, you know, thinking about it while you were talking, just starting all these little things in the house and just not completing them. So they're always at a stage of unfinished and uh, often find myself doing that too. So you're, you know, you're right in terms of just being able to sort of, you know, pick up on those symptoms of what may be coming and uh, and understanding that through that piece of self-reflection that, you know, I've really sort of had to focus on over the years of, um, you know, living with bipolar and sort of that journey piece of, you know, being able to understand those indicators. Um, the other piece too, I think, you know, going on to another strategy is, you know, around routine within your household um, and establishing the routine. When I'm healthy, I have that routine in my life of, you know, I mean, it goes to a number, it impacts or it touches a number of other things, but, you know, around sleep hygiene, just all those pieces around routine, uh, getting up at the same time every day, um, seven days a week, which is something I do, but I have this routine when I know I'm healthy. It's just, you know, I know I get up at the same time. I, you know, my day starts with coffee, reading. It's kind of a meditative process, but just also that continuation of that routine in terms of, you know, cleaning, doing the dishes after I eat, making your bed, uh, doing laundry on a set day. Um, those things during the week, um, you have those smaller tasks during the day and then those maybe once a week type tasks. But uh, just continuing with that routine is just really important in terms of just uh, preventing that step where you get to that point where you start to feel a little bit overwhelmed because the more tasks you start to skip and you fall out of that routine, the more overwhelming you start to become. And I think it's really important from a strategy is sort of, you know, I, I think, you know, everyone's heard of those smart goals, but I think even that's too complicated. I think if we keep it just to the, you know, simple and small is what I like to think about is if you just keep things simple and small, and uh, even if it's just five minutes, I, I think that's really where, you know, I think would benefit a lot of people. I think smart goals can get too complicated sometimes and because there's measurements and I think they can be somewhat self-defeating at times too. So I just like to focus on simple and small if I can give any advice to anybody. Yeah, I like to say um, small is big uh, yeah, yeah. and slow is fast and slow is good. Um, the uh, times that you're talking about with that routine, uh, I was reflecting that, you know, I another indicator is that if dishes are piling up for a long period of time, um, and so if I can manage to stay in this sort of organizational routine, and I think one of the things that I find that can um, influence my mood uh, and trigger something is that as I have a routine, but let's say, you know, unexpected things of life happen and it impacts it. And then being able to juggle uh, how to still keep that routine with, let's say, a number of new stressors. And I know for me, new stressors can be definitely a trigger for a, a change into a different mood state. So um, it's, it, it's really finding a way of being able to 
have those new unexpected things and then still making time for um, the, creating a framework and that solidity around the, the um, routine. And I guess one of the things that I've, I've found is that uh, a friend of mine, a business coach talks about, you know, slowing down um, to speed up. And so being able to even, because it feels like the last thing that I want to do when I have so many things to do, or I'm starting to feel overwhelmed is to slow down and take stock. Um, but it's sometimes the most, it, it what brings me the most relief. Um, and it doesn't mean that I have to, um, and, and sometimes the idea of taking stock overwhelms me. <laughs> uh, but what I find is oftentimes it's just getting it down on paper, of all the things that I feel like I need to be doing. Um, and in that, that pocket of uh, slowing down, doing what you said is just doing one small thing after I've sort of listed all the things that I feel like I need to do and just do what I know has to be done. So um, it allows me to prioritize that way. Um, and ideally then it lifts a little bit of that pressure uh, and a little bit of um, the pressure to get it all organized all at once. Yeah, I, I just, just what you said, I think uh, just it brought up so much for me, Victoria. And just in terms of just, uh, I don't know, my own personality too, just uh, in the work I do and just everything I do, um, it's always wanting to do more. And that idea of, adding that extra stress and I don't know if it's just my personality type probably but uh, it's it's just that ability to say no sometimes is just that first step it's just really difficult for me at times to say no because I I don't know I'm just very passionate about the work I do and it, it's just really difficult but you're right it just impacts everything else that's going on in your household when you're having bringing in all these additional stressors and I don't think you I don't necessarily realize that at the time because I'm only thinking about those other tasks and not really thinking about how much more time that's going to take and take it away from what I do at home or what I need to do at home. And, um, you know, I think moving forward too, it's just, um, I don't think I'm, you know, I think a lot of people, and I'll just speak for myself, but I don't think I'm necessarily bringing that piece of kindness to myself all the time because I'm putting that pressure on myself. So like you said, um, taking that time to sort of be slow and accepting that being slow is okay. And like you said, slow is fast sometimes. And, uh, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that. So. Another thing I'd like to, I guess, you know, when we talk about the things we do in the household, and I think it's something we don't necessarily do all the time, is uh, like reward ourselves. Like, you know, if we accomplish something in our house and we're struggling to do something and taking that five minutes to maybe just clear a table or clear a counter, like enjoy that moment. Like look at your clean counter and go, wow, my counter's clean. I haven't seen it clean in like days. And I know for me too, I have a dishwasher and my dishes still stack up on my counter. So 
<laughs> so, it, you know, the task of putting just not never mind washing my dishes, but putting my dishes in the dishwasher and seeing a clean counter is, is you know, I, I, you know, I get some enjoyment out of that. But at the same time, too, I think, you know, those small tasks and those routines that we do, I think we have to reward ourselves. And I don't know how that looks. I mean, that's going to look different to everyone else. But just for me, is like, you know, going out for coffee. I'm, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. So honestly, going out for good coffee is kind of my small reward. But, uh, or, you know, I mean, if I'm and buying a record is always a reward, but <laughs> I don't know if it's a reward or if it's just an addiction at this point in my life. So, <laughs> but, yeah, 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 no, I I really like that idea of really enjoying that, and I think I think it's sometimes it's helpful, like especially if uh, I guess it's helpful to do it when I'm well, but also if I'm in the a depressive stage when just to be able to sort of reflect on when I do something that, you know, it's been difficult to do, whether it's putting in a load of laundry or uh, folding something or watering the plants or repotting a plant that's needed to be done um, to check in with myself and see how I feel. Um, and if I'm depressed, oftentimes my self-talk won't give me that room to feel good about it. Um, so just even noticing that um, and having some compassion around that, which sometimes kickstarts a little self-acceptance. But then when I'm well or just in the beginning stages of uh, depression, really being able to sort of, like you said, savor how does my body feel? How does my mind feel? Because I feel like that fuels uh, and feeds the next positive step. Um, and so that's sort of a reward in itself. And then it can create a habit because I feel like uh, when we create those habits, uh, they're much harder to be derailed when we're not well. And so the more that we create a habit with the reinforcement of joy and reward, um, I've noticed that myself, like when I, I am able to fold the laundry, I'm using laundry just because that's sometimes difficult for me to do, but it feels good when I do it and having a clean counter or dust, like, or, uh, or um, sweeping, right? When I see all the, the, like the fur from my dog and I can put it in a garbage can, I go, oh my God, look at how, you know, cause I'm very like immediate gratification kind of thing, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and one of the other things too is doing it with other people. So like taking a half an hour, if you live with somebody, to say, you clean the bathroom, I'll clean the kitchen sink or whatever. Usually the bathroom is the one that gets the most difficult time. Like no one really wants to clean a toilet or the bathtub. I don't know, maybe other people do, but I don't. Um, yeah, and so I find that that kind of teamwork can really um, make make it easier to do and more, more fun in a way. Yeah, when you're, when you're talking about routine, I you know, and I've brought it up too, it's just during COVID, routines have been so disruptive. And I, I just know from my own mental health, um, being at home has been a struggle. And just the ability to keep your home 
the way you want it has been even more of a struggle. And um, it's, I think that much more challenging, like part of my reward system when I was talking about rewarding yourself has been disrupt, disrupted too by COVID. I can't go out and just do the things I would normally do um, as part of my routine. So just reestablishing new routines has been tough during COVID. And um, it's kind of a, just a new life. And I think the focus on the home has sort of taken on even more of a, an important piece to people's sort of overall mental and physical health too. And um, so, like you said, I mean, it would be great. I don't live with somebody else, but it would be great to share a task. But um, um, yeah, I just... And and one of the other, yeah and one of the other things too is even having what I call sort of um, accountability buddies or whatever so that you know at the same time you could be you know uh, sort of check in or whatever I even have like a um, uh, an, a thing called focus mate where you have uh, two you know a partner. And while you're doing another task and it can be cleaning, it could be sorting things out. And so that you're just sort of checking in and you get sort of motivation and encouragement that way. Um, so uh, that can be um, a really good thing too. Mm. Yeah, I actually had a discussion this morning with somebody about uh, the, this topic exactly. I was talking about prior to coming on to the webinar and just saying, you know, yeah, I've looked up my floor for like weeks and weeks and keep telling myself I need to vacuum, but have I vacuumed my floor yet? No. And no. Uh, I keep stepping on popcorn kernels and <laughs> that have been there for weeks. And uh, yeah, uh, but you know, I, I'm not at a stage yet where it's, you know, it's not to the point where I'm so depressed that it's, you know, really bothering me, but just those little things. Um, yeah, the motivation to spend five minutes to vacuum is I don't, I'm not sure what's preventing me from doing that, but. Um... And it's, it's interesting. I think COVID has something to do with it in terms of that we have had to um, remain in our homes. And so our whole living space is uh, our, like our workspace, home space, recreational space is more or less in our home. And I, I was listening to uh, CBC radio, uh, it's our sort of Canada's radio station. And um, one of the announcers was talking about, you know, how she, she's noticed how she keeps lowering the bar and she doesn't have bipolar disorder, but each time she says lowering the bar more and more in terms of cleanliness, clutter and all that kind of stuff. And I think part of it is because, you know, it's, we're just, there's a fatigue around it of just saying uh, I'm that kind of, um, surrender when you sort of go I'm here and I don't care about this place anymore but being able to actually find the joy that you were talking about of those little moments of cleanliness or organizing something and finding out what specifically gives you joy around like what's important what's cleanliness because it's so unique to everybody um, having uh, clean vacuum floors may not be important, but having a really nice mirror to look into when you're brushing your teeth could be more important. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for sharing those, that both your experiences of how this is um, in, uh, important to you throughout your lives and also the kinds of things that you do. It sounds like um, the really core takeaways are when you have a, a habit, um, uh, a weekly routine 
that both helps kind of keep on top of things, but also gives you a warning sign for when you deviate from that routine, when things start to um, uh, not get done that would normally be done at a particular time, that can help you um, get motivated to act, um, to kind of prevent things from spiraling out of control. Um, and also that, you know, perhaps we use the, the stick a little bit too much with ourselves in terms of chastising ourselves for not being on top of things where it really sounds like the helpful approach is to use the carrot, you know, whether it's a, a tangible reward like a coffee or a record or um, particularly now when those things might not be easy to access, like Victoria says, trying to find the joy in those little moments, whether it's putting on music or a podcast or um, checking in with others. Um, yeah, um, really great stuff. So what I'll do now is start to move into some of the, the questions that we've received um, from viewers. Um, our first question um, says, thanks for doing this. Um, when I get manic, I start remodeling rooms in my house. It costs a lot of money and creates issues with my husband, especially when I don't finish the project and then we have a bunch of crap laying around. How can I stop it? Because when I get manic, I can't be talked out of anything. Do you want to put your two cents in, Don, and I can add on, or? I'll let you start. <laughs> okay, okay, no, for sure, for sure, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think uh, the first thing that I would say is sort of some of the what we've already been talking about is knowing like when the really, really early signs are happening before projects get rolling. Um, and when you're well, have a contingency plan about what you agree to. Because um, it says, I think there's one part um, so that, because I know oftentimes when people are manic, it's really difficult for, you know, people to uh, be persuaded one way or the other. And so for me, it's uh, having a plan of saying, so if I have these signs, then uh, someone close to me can remind me of our contingency plan, which could be um, taking away tools or taking away access to cash. Um, or another one literally could be using that creative energy and having a plan to have one area in the home and have a buddy that can keep sort of supporting you in a place so that you can uh, so maybe it's your husband saying, okay, so this is the, this is the project in your, in your home that you can work on, um, but limit it to that. Um, and then if mania really spirals out of control so that there are so many projects going on, to me, that's when it's a crisis and you need to get to your doctor or your, uh, hospital, uh, your hospital, because, uh, and because then it's something about, you know, stabilizing your mood and, and making sure that you're not going to be, um, spiraling into an escalated, uh, mania. Thoughts, uh, Don? Yeah, no, I, no, I mean, I completely agree with you. And, uh, I mean, when I, I mean, just thinking about the question, um, like home renovations are, the, they don't tend to be something you do sort of ad hoc at a spur of a moment. Um, being in a manic phase, possibly, I would guess that would be something that would be done. But um, maybe just um, if it's it's a, if it's a recurrent event from the question, it sounds like this is something that happens often. So maybe just doing maybe a a long-term plan in terms of how and the order you're going to tackle home renovations 
and maybe set out a written plan that you both discuss ahead of time prior to an episode happening. So at least you have something that you've discussed prior to, and it may be a little bit more, it may be easier to discuss it once that, once you're in an episode um, that you can refer back to and maybe reflect on. I mean, I don't know, it, it's hard for me to be in this situation <laughs> personally. Um, maybe that's why I'm having a little bit more time, difficult time answering this question. But to me, that would be something, I'm, maybe I'm more of a planner from my business background, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, to me, that would be something I would do in terms of just allocating budgets and doing plans around home renovations. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, almost like having an envelope of money saying, this is how much we're spending on this right now, we can't go over. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but my sense is that it's about sort of that when she gets manic, she starts yeah. home renovation. And it's not right. that there's yeah. any, there's not any no. plan at all to have no. them. Yeah. And um, and so, and, and I think one of the other things is that um, knowing that that's a, a type of activity that happens, um, having, I think you had mentioned it earlier before we started this about sort of some compassion and acceptance and, right. um, yeah. and reframing it that this is energy that you're wanting to use and channeling it in a creative way. Um, it's just an example of it that just sort of it, it, it gets channeled into something that's um, maybe not uh, as productive as it, as it can be, but that's, that's the nature of bipolar disorder and yeah, yeah. Um, understanding that. So the, the, the shame and the, um, the sort of self-judgment can dissipate a bit. Thank yeah. you. Some really useful tips about um, both planning ahead and then compassionately making room for that experience that does come up again. Um, our next question is from somebody who's feeling the um, opposite end of the pole, the impacts of depression. Um, I can't get motivated and I feel like my home will never get clean, so there's no point. I really hate living in this mess um, and I've been depressed for so long. So how, what advice would you give to somebody who's been in that situation about getting back on track? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been there. I've been in that place, so I can relate. Um, and I think we maybe we touched on this a little bit while we we're talking, but um, that ability re to reach out to someone, I think that people connection is really, really important. And um, just, you know, you know, and not being afraid or ashamed of, of your household. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, we all have to be, you know, I think everyone with bipolar disorder is brave and, and just everyone's experience is different, but having people you can reach out to is so important. And people that are in your life that are gonna bring that compassion, that empathy, and not bring judgment with anything about you or your illness. And, you know, just those small steps, like, like I had mentioned, like five minutes, you know? I mean, just start with, I mean, start with just making your bed. You know, I mean, everybody goes to bed and gets out of bed. And I think even if you're not making your bed really properly, if you just like fold your sheets or comforter and put your pillows in the place they're supposed to be without really properly making your bed. But I, I mean, that's a, that's a start. 
and um, and then just I think going from there, I think um, you know it's um, it's it's just I think it, as Victoria said, like slow and is fast, but I mean slow and small and simple. I I think is just something that we can all accomplish. I think even in the deepest depression, I know it seems difficult when you're in that place, but um, it's amazing how doing that one small, simple thing can make a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't add too much, but it's, to me, it's those micro goals. So th this wouldn't be, I mean, it literally can be about putting one bowl away or that one box of cereal that is on the counter and folding the top of it and putting it on the shelf. Um, because I think what is important is that the essential need to create momentum, because if you don't create momentum, I don't know about you, but then it just is stasis uh, and inertia and it can get worse and worse. And this is where I feel like I'm not to blame for my illness, but I'm responsible for my health. And that doesn't mean that I have to do everything on my own. This is this means that I could have someone come in and help me or I could phone someone. It's like a lifeline and say, can you just like say something good about me while I put my bowl in the dishwasher or something? Um, and, and I hate the fact that it takes so much energy and effort to do um, because I've been there just recently where I'm in bed and I don't even want to get up. And I don't want to put my shoes on. I don't want to get dressed. And it's one thing is like, okay, just one leg over the bed, the next leg over the bed. And I really like what you said about it doesn't have to be a good job. I really believe in good enough is good enough or mediocre is good enough or really bad is good enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds like beyond obviously being compassionate to yourself, it's important to surround yourself with people that you can trust to be compassionate to you when you're um, feeling that way, who you won't bring up feelings of shame if you want to invite to your um, place. Uh, but also, obviously, you know, it's when, when you think about how do I get my home clean, that's such a big, overwhelming task. But if you break it down to today, I'm going to clean out this kitchen drawer. Or put the dishes away. It's it's manageable, small steps. Um, okay, our next question is um, a particular challenge that comes from being at home with uh, COVID. Uh, I've been struggling with routine and cleanliness because I'm living with my partner and two roommates in an apartment. We all have different schedules and different levels of cleanliness. Any tips for keeping with my own routine and not being overwhelmed by other people's messes? Go for it, Don. <laughs> uh, as someone who does not live with roommates, <laughs> um, wow. Um, you know, can you, I mean, can, can you repeat the, the question again? It's about, is it about sort of having different levels of cleanliness between people in the house? Sure. Yeah. So I think it's, it's basically getting at a lot of the advice we've been sharing today has been about, you know, getting your own routine established and your own levels of cleanliness. Or what if you're living with other people who might have different routines and different standards of cleanliness? How might right. you either have a productive conversation about that or cope with the fact that your home environment may not look like what you want, 
due to factors outside of your control. Yeah. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot, Don. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you can't be responsible for everyone else's mess. I mean, that, that, that would be my response would be, you know, I mean, you can't take on other people's stuff. And that's so true with many other aspects of life. And, um, you know, in terms of cleanliness, do what you need to do about your own cleanliness. If you have that ability to do that, I think that acceptance piece is important. Like accept that that's what you can do. Um, you know, uh, you know, if as a person with bipolar, it, it's asking a lot to take on other people's responsibilities and, um, and just, you know, understand that, you know, it, every, like the person's already mentioned, everyone has a different, um, what they consider clean and not be clean and what they consider to be tidy and not tidy. And, um, and I mean, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to have that conversation in terms of expectations, maybe within the household and how, yeah. we, live, how we live together. Um, I think I that's really, because yeah. I, 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 cause I really think that's important that um, because someone else's uh, organization and clutter can affect my own mental health. And right. so if it's, uh, if I, both if mine is affecting theirs, but particularly if theirs is affecting mine. So it's a difficult conversation to have because it's about setting boundaries. Um, with roommates, I think sometimes, ironically, it's sometimes, well, maybe it's not easier, um, but being able to have some house guidelines. Um, and some people love to have those conversations and love to have those lists and, you know, have an agreement and have it set in stone. And other people are like, eh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So um, it, it, I think it's difficult for people with or without bipolar disorder. Uh, but having those conversations about being able to say, this is what helps me stay well. Um, what would, what supports you? What do you like? And where can we find a compromise? Um, and knowing that it's probably going to be a compromise um, and then being able to control what you have control of in your, in your sphere. Right. And, you know, I think in a roommate situation too, you often have separate bedrooms too. So it's important too, is, you know, having that sanctuary you can go back to where you have full control over a space um, and then having those other discussions around the common household areas. Thanks guys. Um, we have a question from somebody who's wondering how to move past that initial feeling of um, guilt if, you, if you're not sure who the kind of compassionate people in your circle might be. Um, this person asks, do you have any tips about dealing with the shame? I live alone and I don't invite people who are in my bubble over because I am ashamed of my mess. Wow, um, I can I can understand how it's uh, both difficult and how the shame can build. Um, some of the practical things that I've done is um, doing mindfulness uh, meditation and really uh, creating um, a sense of uh, room for all of who I am. And this may sound like it's not a it's not a short term answer I mean it's not a quick fix 
um, but uh, and finding things online so that I'm guided. And I think that's one of the things too, is that I'm not sure if this person has access, um, uh, you know, how much access they have to um, the internet or how stable it is. But I've also often found that I can find connection with YouTube videos, um, support groups online um, and remain anonymous. Uh, and that can often lift the shame because connection really reduces shame. So uh, I can't, I can't always fix it if I'm on, in my own head. Mindfulness can sometimes do that. Um, there's a course called Mindfulness Daily that's free with Tara Bracht and Jack Cornfield. That's really simple. It's 15 minutes. Uh, it's like 10 minutes of uh, instruction and five minutes of practice. And it's, it really is really helpful. And uh, that those are the two things is, is looking for connection online through groups uh, to help you with that shame and then mindfulness. I don't know what you would say, Don. Yeah, I mean, I, Emma, was the, the question was about having someone from your circle come over, was that? Yeah, so this, this person um, has people, they have a bubble or they live alone. Yeah but they feel uncomfortable asking people into their space because they feel ashamed about the mess and they're looking ways to cope with that feeling. Sorry, I might've not heard that question properly, but I... No, no, no. Uh, you know, again, you know, I was, it's interesting that that question's come up because I, I was talking to someone this morning and uh, we had actually kind of almost talked about that you know the cleanliness of the house and not wanting to have people visit and because of that shame piece and then you know having someone in your circle or really close to you say well you know i'm not coming to visit your house i'm coming to visit you you know you're the person i want to see and that's who i'm visiting i'm not visiting your house i'm not visiting your mess so maybe just that compassion piece um, to yourself like you know um, and understand why that person wants to come and visit they're coming to see you they're not coming to see your mess they're not coming to see your physical space or your house they're coming because of that connection with you and that relationship they have with you that's yeah that's awesome Don. i think that's really and if it is about helping to clean up it's about helping you not judging the mess yeah i think your advice is really useful as well because mindfulness as we know can help people make space for those difficult and uncomfortable feelings um but i think what don's said here is really great putting yourself in the perspective of a friend who who might be visiting um i i don't think any of us would carry that sense of judgment if we were visiting a friend in, in the, that kind of situation. Um, because of the time, I'll move into our last question and this will be just really short um, tips so that we can move into resources. Um, this person says, I'm moving to another small apartment and have a chance to start afresh. Any important bipolar layout decisions and home tips that the panelists suggest before I move? So what would be one takeaway tip that you might use um, in terms of organization that you could give to this person before they move to a new place? Uh, if what I always do is uh, downsize every time I move. Uh, so as you're packing, be mindful of what you're packing. Um, if it is something 
Is it, if it's a brief piece of clothing you haven't worn for over a year, maybe it's time to donate that piece of clothing. Or, I mean, for me, downsizing books is often a thing. Um, but just, you know, if you have that opportunity to start fresh, be mindful when you're packing, I think is just really something I do because it's so much easier when you move into that old space. If you've taken that time prior to sort of declutter and downsize prior to going into your new space. That's great. I, I don't know if I have anything else. That was sort of the thing that I was going to say is, is sort of um, streamline as you're packing so that when you go into your new place, it's easier and you have less things. And if you are going into a smaller place, one of the things I, I would, would um, suggest is, you know, having a small place in your, your home that is yours to put whatever you want and however you want and it, that it can be messy. And it can be just a shelf, it can be a closet, it can be anything. Um, and somehow it's like, it's okay to have that junk drawer and that it never gets, never needs to be cleaned out. Um, it's not, it's not a total layout question, but it's sort of like a perspective question, I think. Thank you so much. I think those are two really useful tips. It's great to have that opportunity to be really thoughtful and considerate about what you take with you. Um, and I really like Victoria's suggestion of when you move in, find that one place where things are going to be okay to be a little bit out of order because having moved a couple of times in the last few years I can say that that initial process of finding where everything goes is overwhelming so if you can say this is the forget about it drawer <laughs> it's really good to have. Um, thank you to both Victoria and Don for sharing your time and your expertise on this topic. Um, to wrap up today's webinar I'm going to run through some resources that CrossBeady offers and flag some of our upcoming events. Um, Caden and Laura have put together a document that will be shared in the chat that links to um, everything I'm gonna quickly mention here. Um, and this will be also available after the presentation in the Facebook stream and YouTube descriptions if you're not watching via Zoom. Um, so one thing we wanted to share is there are many kind of life hack websites that give tips some of these more practical ones, like we just touched on at the end there about how to organize your home and streamline daily chores. Um, but it can be tough to find one that offers something a bit more reasonable rather than those weird clickbaity tips, like how to clean your sink with bathroom with um, tomato sauce I saw on YouTube. Um, despite the kind of colorful name of this one, uh, the Crest BD team really, really liked the kind of compassionate tone that it takes. It recognizes that um, you know, we're not all Marie Kondo. Uh, it's sometimes nice to uh, have a website which offers realistic, practical tips about organization. Um, so we've dropped the link in the chat there for you. Um, our Bipolar Wellness Center also has great tips and resources for improving your quality of life across a range of areas, including home. Um, we have a video starring our very own Victoria Maxwell, kind of illustrating some of these concepts that we talked about today about how low mood can interfere with um, taking care of your environment and ways to get back on track. We also have the quality of life tool, which allows you to measure how you're doing across a range of areas. Um, this can be really useful for checking in to um, see where you're doing well and where you might need some extra support. Um, and it can also help you test out the impact of any strategies on your wellbeing. 
We also have our academic Chris Beattie website, which is where you can stay in the loop about research projects and you can sign up to our newsletter, Crest Currents, to hear about upcoming events, um, studies or research participation opportunities. Um, we are really excited to invite you to our World Bipolar Day Ask Me Anything on Reddit. Um, so if we didn't get to your questions today, um, this might be an opportunity to ask more. Um, this will be running for 48 hours starting from 10 a.m. PST on March 30th. We have over 28 uh, panelists with lived experience um, from academic or clinical backgrounds and we'll be taking your questions. Last year we answered over 300 questions from people. It was one of the biggest bipolar specific events on the internet and this year we're hoping to make it even bigger. Um, for information about how to participate, check out the document that we shared or visit our CRESPD website. Our next Talk BD event will be on men's mental health on May 10th at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Dr. John Ogrodnichuk, um, founder of Heads Up Guys, an online resource that helps men deal with um, depression. Um, in the meantime, our previous Talk BD events can be watched online at our website, um, on our Facebook page, and on our YouTube channel. Um, we're always keen to hear your feedback about these events and learn how we can improve. Um, so we have a survey link on the Talk BD website. Uh, we would really appreciate if you can complete the survey um, and also help us identify what topics are most important to people right now so we can think about what to come next. Uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our funders and partners, everyone who helps make these events possible. Um, and if you'd like to stay up to date with our work or the work of our partner organizations, you can follow us on our social media platforms. Thank you so much to everyone who attended and shared your questions or your tips. Uh, and thank you once again to Victoria and Don for your time today. Uh, until next time, stay healthy and well. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Don.